Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Lisa H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Today is Wednesday, October 19th, 2022, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're on page 36 in the chapter more about alcoholism. We'll be reading and commenting on the first paragraph that begins, yet he got drunk again, and ends and decided to have another glass of milk. Today's readers, and thank you for your service, the 12 steps, Lori C., the 12 traditions, Terry J., readers of the text, Dara L., Nancy C., and Christina C.G. Our newcomer greeter is Kathy M., and our second hour host is Janice P.M. The reference numbers for yesterday Tuesday, October 18th, 2022, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 19,524. That's 19524. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, it's 19,525. That's 19525. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lori C. to please read the 12 steps. Lori, press star one. Hi, Lori C., recovering in Virginia. These are the 12 steps. One, we were admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take a personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer meditation, and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will 
for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me serve. Thank you, Laurie C. And I will now ask Terry J. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Terry J. in Michigan. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. It's an honor to serve. Thank you. Thank you, Terry J. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 36, the first paragraph that begins, Yet He Got Drunk Again, ending in and decided to have another glass of milk. 
and comments will be on that paragraph. And I'll now ask Dara L. to please begin reading. Hi, great. Thanks so much for your service. My name is Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater, and I live in Philadelphia. Yet he got drunk again. We asked him to tell us exactly how it happened. This is his story. I came to work on Tuesday morning. I remember I felt irritated that I had to be a salesman for a concern I once owned. And I had a few words with the boss, but nothing serious. Then I decided to drive into the country and see one of my prospects for a car. On the way, I felt hungry. So I stopped at a roadside place where they have a bar. I had no intention of drinking. I just thought I would get a sandwich. I also had the notion that I might find a customer for a car at this place, which was familiar for I had been going to it for years. I had eaten there many times during the months I was sober. I sat down at a table and ordered a sandwich and a glass of milk. Still no thought of drinking. I ordered another sandwich and decided to have another glass of milk. Um, Yeah, you know, I think it's really important for me to think about, like, you know, the story of Jim is located in a chapter in which they're describing the mental states that precede a return to alcohol, you know, or in our case, a return to our allergic ingredients or behaviors. And, um, you know, like, no... For me, I never went back to the disease because of something outside of myself, although it was always tempting to say that it was, right? Like, I think that Jim could clearly be like, well, you know, it was, I had to be a salesman for this place that I once owned, or, you know, it was the words with the boss or whatever. But like, for me, it's that the inner irritation is the problem. It's not the external circumstances of my life. It's that I get restless irritable and discontent on the inside. And the thing that is really scary to me is I believe Jim when he says I had no intention of drinking because I think about the many times that I've gone back into the disease over the years. And it always started with my disease sort of subtly putting me in positions and in places where it seemed like it seemed like I just changed my mind all of a sudden, you know, and I was back in the disease and I would wonder how did this happen? But when I traced it back, you know, there was a long line of actions or inactions that I either took or didn't take that set me up to be wondering, like, how did I get here? You know, how did I put whiskey in the milk? How did I have that extra bite? Like what, you know, how did I throw up that first time or whatever it was that I was doing? And I, and I think, um, it's important for me to remember that my whole being is just shot through with this disease. And I don't say that in a way to like say that I'm sick or dysfunctional or any of that because I don't believe that today. But the disease will lie to me in my own voice. And sometimes it'll lie to me so pervasively that I don't even realize that I'm under the influence of the disease until I come to, you know. And I think that that is true whether I'm in the food or whether I'm in a particular character defect or whatever it is, like there's ways that I can minimize things for myself or think like, oh, I can get away with this and go places I have no business going and do things I have no business doing. Um, And that's why I really believe that the enlargement of a spiritual life is so multifaceted, right? It's like inviting God in to my life. It's working with newcomers. It's being sponsored. It's It's being willing to admit that I don't have all the answers and I can't trust myself. I I can trust 
my heart and my soul and my relationship with God, but I can't trust my mind um, not to lie to me or not to lead me back to these subtly destructive things. So anyways, with that, I'll pass. And thanks so much for letting me do service today. Thank you, Dara L., for getting us started. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you've shared on any of the vision meetings on Monday or Tuesday, we ask you to hold back. And who would like to share on what was read? Black Nancy P. Nancy P. Nancy P. And Nancy P. And I think Alexis. Gotcha, Alexis. Nancy R. Oh my goodness, there's a bunch of Nancy Nancy R. Yes, thank Bonnie you. B. Christina Bonnie J. B. Okay, Bonnie B. Christina J. Terry J. K. Okay, Terry J. And I think Donna, let's pause there. Um, let me tell you who we have. Uh, hopefully, I got this right. Melissa C. Nancy C. Nancy P. Alexis F. Nancy R. Bonnie B. Christina J. Terry J. And Donna, or Dana, Donna, I didn't get your first initial of your last name. So, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Nancy C. Hey, good morning. Thanks so much for your service this morning. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New York and in the sea of Nancy's, apparently, this morning. Um, so, you know, I... I Tim's whole story to me is such an um, incredible opportunity for me to learn about myself, um, first and foremost, right, but also about helping others. And, you know, what I get here is um, I read this story over and over, and I think, what, what, was, what was wrong with him here? Like, his mental state that preceded, right? Because that's what this always is. And I think, you know, okay, clearly he was a little more than irritated, right? He was probably really pissed. And first I think, well, you know, I've got this lots of denial for myself around the way I feel. Um, I've been I've been pissed, I've been resentful, I've been, you know, all sorts of feelings. And it's not that for me that feelings are my big problem. It's not it's it's not that I can't experience a feeling. It's that for this broken person, I experience feelings of hunger. It's like I've got a whole lifetime of just not ever wanting to feel anything that doesn't feel great. Um, and by the way, even feeling great doesn't feel great because I tend to eat then too. But I so so then what really is this problem? Because um, I can't avoid the condition of being human. Even 10 steps for me, they don't remove my feeling. They remove the craziness that I've attached to the feeling. They remove the, 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 the thinking. You know, it starts to change my thought process. And when I get some Jim's story here and the importance of why they went over it precisely, precisely what happened, it's because it's easy to gloss over and just say, well, you know, I ate well, I shouldn't have been there. But why go over it precisely? It's because we want to find out. I want to find out where he got off step. What step did he not fully take, right? And what I see here is no step three. I don't think he ever really turned his will in his life over to the care of God. 
because if he really would have, he might have felt more acceptance for where he was in life. He might have said, you know what? There were a series of course of actions that I definitely was responsible for because I lost the company. But God's God, and God's got a plan for me, and I'm going to trust God. And I know for myself, when I really get worked up about a work situation, and boy, I've been there, it is always a step three issue. And for me, step three means I turn my will and my life over to the care of God. My will is my thoughts. And my thoughts have to be, how best can I serve others? And then I ask God to just show me the way. Um, thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Nancy C., you're up, followed by Nancy P. Good morning, my fine fellows. Nancy C., gratefully recovered for two years now in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, I'm the first of a many, I guess, Nancy's coming up today, but Jim's story is me, and it's so important to me because it is the third step issue, and it is trying to find out where that mental state in me always goes wrong. A very dear person on this line, when I was having trouble, had me go read Jim's story and read line by line and put it in my own history of what was happening to me so that I could find the lie, that I could find that mental state, that mental twist, that my mind keeps justifying that everything I do is okay or that nothing bothers me. I think it's the nothing that bothers me that gets me because it does. You know, starting out with being irritated, I can put that down very easily and continue on in my day. And then like some mole, it pops up someplace else, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Um, so it is important for me and important for my recovery. Anytime that I feel off or I'm working with somebody who feels off, that I go back to Jim's story and really start with exactly what happened. And I think working with other people doing the reviewing exactly and not leaving anything out, getting brutally honest is where that third step of really turning my thoughts over to God and then acting in the way God wants me to act. I'm so grateful for this program. I'm grateful for these stories that really let me see how insane I am when I don't have the gift of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nancy C. And Nancy P., you're up, followed by Alexis F. Hi, good morning. Nancy P., recovered in West Newton, Massachusetts. Thank you for letting me share. Um, and I just want to say that all of the Nancys are actually just flowers growing around Melissa. Anyways, um, so this paragraph is the beginning of where the book really gets into the substance of the mental twist. And the mental twist is like ovarian cancer. Unless you're super lucky, you're not going to find it until it's too late. And it can't be detected, you know, with all the tools that people have, that doctors have, that that kind of cancer can't be detected easily. And if I worked for a business that I once owned, I wouldn't be irritated. I'd be enraged. And I've had lots of jobs where I've had words with bosses before, and it's always serious, serious, and it never goes well. And I have said some unprintable things to my bosses. And they, it's just a testament to how great 
people is are that I've worked for that they haven't fired me on the spot. Um, so when Jim, he's, you know, deciding to go into the country to see a client about a car is not just something that came out of nowhere. That's his solution for having words with the boss, right? Then I decided to go into the country with, you know, to see a customer or whatever. And he tells himself three lies in a row. No intention of drinking, just thought I'd get a sandwich and finding a customer because he's been going to that place for years. So he stops at this bar and thinks he's going to find someone, you know, interested. You know, that's another sort of another lie. And and then he ends up drinking. And I got to tell you, the only things I've ever bought in a bar were drugs and alcohol. And I usually go to dealerships to buy my cars. And even back then, he worked for a dealership. So it's not like they were new concepts, you know, that people just ran around with cars and said, you know, door-to-door salesman, do you want to buy this car? They don't do that. Um, they didn't do that then, and they don't do it now. And, you know, alcoholic torture is the intersection where the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind cross. And Jim does these mental gymnastics to convince himself that he's not going to drink and that, and then he's surprised when he does. And, and he convinces himself that he's surprised when he does, really. And those are exactly the kinds of things I told myself. You know, the twisting and the turning that I went through so that I could eat, you know, so that I didn't just say, I've got to eat, I've got to eat, I've got to eat. <clears throat> they were like masks. And today I know what I'm thinking. My thoughts do not take me by surprise ever. But I work really hard to keep my thinking trimmed and in shape. And I keep up with all the things I need to do, large and small. You know, I, I, all of us who are happy, joyous, and free, we all spend a lot of time, you know, at meetings, talking to other people, sponsoring. I do all those things every day, many times a day. And, um, you know, as an outsider of my sponsees' lives, as they pick up, I listen and I see and you know, I hear what they're saying, and I'm not distracted by their, you know, by their stories. And in fact, I'm very interested because I need to hear that stuff. And I can always say, you know, you don't deserve to eat, but you shouldn't be surprised. And today, I'm not prey to my feelings. Prey is something that is hunted and consumed, and my feelings do not dictate what I say and do today, ever. You know, no matter what I'm feeling. I'll wrap up. I have to act with kindness and love and tolerance, and the only way to get there is one. Say it with me. Starts with S and rhymes with surrender. Surrender, surrender, surrender. Thank you for letting me share and I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy P. And Alexis F., you're up, followed by Nancy R. Yes, thank you. Um, this is Alexis F. in New Jersey. I don't judge Jim and say he's right or wrong for what he does. Um the, he's a personality, and the principle behind the personality is the story. And the story is Jim was angry. He was irritated. He was having fa- feelings of anger. He was having feelings of justified anger. And as we know, we can't afford them. So in this program, what we do is either write out our feelings and read them to somebody or write out our feelings and give them to God. Feelings are neither right nor wrong. It's the action that he's responsible for. When I have a feeling, I don't apologize. I feel hate. I feel irritation. I feel anger. I feel a lot of things. 
and a lot of good things like love and um, affection. There are a lot of good feelings that I feel too. But if I feel a negative feeling, I don't um, get all hung up about it. Um, it's only if I act it out that I feel it's a character defect or a shortcoming. So uh, I uh, call my sponsor or I call someone in the program and I'll tell them, will you take a 10th step? I blew my top today. You know, I said something out of line. Um, I'll apologize right away. In this case, maybe Jim could have gone back and apologized to his boss for the words that he had with him. Maybe talk about how he felt about, you know, turning the dealership over to him after owning it for so long and being one of his workers and said, you can tell him how difficult it is for him. Once you express feelings, uh, you don't have to have a temper about it. So that's how I feel about it. Thank you. Thank you, Alexis F. And Nancy R., you're up, followed by Bonnie B. Hi, it's Nancy R. from Northwest Illinois, a recovered compulsive overeater. Oh, I'm so grateful that we're on this paragraph and this story and this whole section about the strange mental twist um, because, uh, you know, I wrote in the um, margins here, we don't see what's going on. And that's what I can relate to with um, Jim's story is that he doesn't see what's going on and then he picks up and, you know, his crazy mind tells him that, oh, that worked. Let's do that again. And I could so relate to that. And um, over the last, I don't know, month, month and a half, again, it's like I don't see what's going on, so I don't know how long it's been going on. But I've slowly been slipping into a state of forgetfulness, um, which is my disease and um, is another version of um, Jim's story I haven't picked up, thank God. Um, I, my sponsor, my sponsor helped me with a big wake-up call on Monday. Um, and I'm so grateful because I feel like I've been uh, woken again. And, um, you know, this slipping into this forgetfulness and I think, oh, why did I forget to call my 10-step partner? That's weird. I don't do that. But I don't think about it like my disease is starting to, my, to mess with my mind. And then, oh, I forgot I had a call with my sponsor. Oh, you know, the thoughts of, I don't care. I don't care. And that's a huge um that phrase should send off alarms and bells in my head. And, you know, sometimes it does, but lots of times it doesn't. Or I hear them and I go, I don't care. So um, I'm grateful. You know, I had started slipping in things that, um, you know, my meditation time and how I really am present on this meeting 
versus having the meeting on and thinking about or doing other things. And um, I need all of this to um, keep to keep my um, my freedom from from this crazy disease to um, for the part of it that is the uh, the compulsive mind, the strange mental twist. So uh, I I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Nancy R. And Bonnie B, you're up, followed by Christina J. Good morning, everyone. Bonnie B from oh the state of Florida, um, actually Fort Myers, Florida. Um, not recovered, working again on the steps, having had almost two years and picked up um, about a week and a half ago. Um, I'm grateful. I am grateful for this program. I am grateful for Jim's story. Um, he brings me hope, right? Yet he got drunk again. I think one of the last times I spoke was when we were just getting ready to head down here. I was unprepared for what we were to find. We're still here. Um, FEMA has stepped in. 211 units are being evacuated because of black mold. Everything in my world turned upside down. And um, yeah, did I feel irritated? Absolutely. I was disconnected from the world. We had no power. We had no cell phone service. We had no drinking water. We had nothing. Um, And I turned back. I ate off of my food plan. I turned back and I went back to the thing I used to go to. Um, By the grace of God, it was very short-lived. I am so grateful it was short-lived. But this is the reality of it. There was an irritation. And I thought the irritation was at Hurricane Ian. It wasn't. It was at every entity outside of that. The fact that I couldn't get to talk to people, the fact that insurance agents weren't getting back, the fact that we couldn't get coverage, the fact we couldn't get a car. The list went on and on and on. Um, But the irritation was in my head. And why was it there? because I wasn't accepted and surrendered, right? And my God knew this was gonna happen. He knew this was gonna happen. This was an opportunity for me to dive deeper and I did not. Um, I'm back again and um, loving God as much as ever and so grateful for each of you and for this program. I felt like I was in, um, you know, on an island by myself. And I had forgotten that God is always there. He's always present. And so with regards to like the thinking, you know, I had a few words with the boss, but nothing serious. I had some thoughts in my head, but I thought to myself, not a big deal. We got this. This is okay. This is going to pass. But it was serious. And I needed to figure out how to manage it better or to do it differently than I did it. And the number one thing that I forgot was that um, if I'm not tethered to God, everything else isn't going to work. And everything else took precedence because it all seemed like it was a screaming emergency when in reality it's all going to settle out because it always does. And so I'm grateful for the story. I'm grateful for program. I'm so grateful for each of you and for the gift. You know, this program is a gift. Um, and I can be given a gift and I can choose to not open it. And if I choose to not open it, I'm back in the disease. And so I'm choosing to open it every single second of every day again. And I'm grateful for the gift. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Bonnie B. And just so everyone knows where we are this morning, page 36, the first paragraph, yet he got drunk again, ending and decided to have another glass of milk. And Christina J., you're up, followed by Terry J. 
Morning, everyone. Christina J, State of North Carolina. Ditto, ditto, ditto to everybody, especially to Bonnie. Oh, hurts my heart. I'm on day six today by the grace of God and my willingness to go through the hell of the most horrible recovery I've ever had. Getting through the food, getting through the coffee, put them both down. Today I'm clearer. But I think back as to what happened. Um, Of course, no one really has a perfect answer, but in my own journey here, I got going on what I've done all my life since I was a kid. Go, go, go. I got a plan. I got to meet these deadlines. I had a new boss here in North Carolina that says, I need you here by this date. I had originally planned to come the week after. He he hired me. I could have said, look, it's it's just going to be too much. I need that extra week. My sponsor was telling me, uh, you need to build in some downtime during this trip. You need to build in some downtime when you get there. Do you have any time before you go to work? No. I put on the armor of Christina and said, let's do this. And every day was murder. And it didn't let up until recently. Did I work program hard? No. I was working it minimally. Trying. Felt like I lost my connection to God. Um, but I was going on me, and I was running out. So what did I do? I got to that bar, like Jim, put the whiskey in the milk, and it was good. I have to tell you, I haven't had that shit in two and a half years, and it was good. My taste buds exploded, my brain chemistry went wild, and I could not stop it. Sure, it's good. It tastes wonderful. It's horrible for my body, but it tastes wonderful especially when I'm irritable, restless, discontent, lost, sad, and my brain chemistry is on fire for something to calm me down. I can't have everything I want in life, and those things bring me to hell. Step one, I realized two years, two and a half years ago, is not do not take the first bite. That's step one for me. I can't have one bite. There's no option to take the shit. I don't care how good it tastes. I have wonderful abstinent foods that keep me stable and nourished. So I was irritable, restless, discontent for about a year and a half, and I was slowly slipping into darkness. Slipping into darkness. You know, that song. That's what this disease does. It takes us down subtly. There was that mental twist, you know, and it went on and on and on. We don't think anything's wrong. We're going. I'm going. This is how I run my life, and it's okay. But on the trip, things started to fall apart, and I just kept going. You know, I did reach out when I was standing in the candy store, everything screaming at me, and I said, I'm not going to pick up. Please help me. And I made it through that. But when the storm settled, I went right to the food. So I'm so grateful for all of you. Thank you for holding space for me as I come through this. Oh, can't believe it. Can't believe I went back. But now I'm on the other side again, one day at a time. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Christina J. And Terry J., you're up, followed by Donna. Hi, this is Terry J. in Michigan. Grateful to be here. Grateful to be on the line. Grateful for all the shares I've heard so far, and not just today, but every day that I um, am on a vision for you. It's my lifeline. Yet, he got drunk again. Yet, I ate again. 
Today is day three for me. I'll never stop coming back. I'll keep coming. Uh, because the program works through honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, and sometimes I struggle right there, that honesty, honesty, getting honest, because I keep, I want to beat myself up for being who I am. I am a compulsive overeater. That's my nature. However, there is a solution. Hmm. Herein lies my problem. Sometimes I suffer from selective thinking. I forget that I must, I must, I must remain in fit spiritual condition. That changes for me daily. And that's where the problem comes in at. If I don't stay on point with the things that I know work, daily meditation, waking up each morning asking God to direct my thoughts, I'll veer off the beaten path. I've been here uh, since 2013, and... um, I'm grateful for the people that also get honest on this line about their struggle that have been here for maybe longer than I have. And, and, you know, the share that just went by, you know, after all, we are only human. If I don't stay in conscious contact with God all day, I had a ribbon tied around my finger the other day to remind me, Every time I beard off and want to do things Terry's way, get back on track. I have to go back to the doctor's opinion. When I get irritable, restless, and discontented, part of my nature, if I don't stay in spiritual fit condition. So I'm working on that, learning how to stay in spiritual fit condition. I have a problem with that 5,000-pound phone. I don't want to call nobody, God. Why can't I just talk to you? Why can't you and I work it out? Because I need to hear the voice of another human being, another person that has this disease. This disease, in particular, compulsive and obsessive overeating. I have to just continue, you know, I oh, right, yeah, God, thank you. Right there, right there, God. I'm of the variety of the thank you, the hopeless type, the hopeless variety. Hope is alive, though, because this book tells me there is a solution. So even when I know that I'm of the hopeless variety, there is hope. Thank you for letting me share. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Terry J. And Donna, you're up, and if you'll give me the first initial of your last name. Good morning. Hi, it's uh, Donna Kay from Ohio. Um, recovered and uh, grateful for it. Um, I, the reading is is, is terrific. I, I really relate strongly with Jim. Um, I have a I have a history of uh, you know yo-yo dieting and in and out of OA. Um, and the last few years. Um, Working through the big book with a vision has just been a it's a remarkable experience, um, and I'm very grateful for the uh, the abstinence and my spiritual 
relationship with my higher power has just really changed dramatically. And um, what speaks to me about this reading is that um, I, I relate to how the thinking can just slip in and you just don't even think about it, you know. And, um, and I love reading Jim's story because I, I relate to it. Um, my program has helped me find some sanity, and I'm so grateful for it. Um, I have to give up, you know, my way of doing things, my wanting to do things. Um, my, you know, the denial can slip in really quick. The discontent and all the red flags that shows in Jim's story just really, really speak to me because I wasn't able to be aware of those before. Um, so I'm really grateful for the program. Um, I keep my program simple. I keep it, uh, I have to take care of myself, take care of my relationship, um, work the steps, turn it over, and really just give up, try to run it myself. I don't have the answers to this, um, but I'm willing to work hard and work at it every day. And I, I go and I, I, I do step one, two, three every day as I'm working and living through 10 to 12, but I, I need all of the sleep, all, all those steps. They need to be, I need to see, I have my program and my life turned over in surrender. So that's the key for me. All right, thanks so much for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Donna Kay. And we have read in our sharing on the first paragraph on page 36. Who else would like to share this morning? Leah S. Leah S. Laura Heidi L. B. New York. Laura L. Somebody from New York. Was that Heidi? Heidi. Heidi B. Thank you. From New York. Heidi B. Okay. Lynn S. Lynn S. Well, let's go with that and see how far we get. I have Leah S., Laura L., Heidi B., and Lynn S. Leah, please share with us. Leah, star one, we can't hear you. Okay, talking to the full walls now. There you are. Yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. My name is Leah S. Calling you from Brooklyn, New York, and so grateful for this paragraph. So, whatever happened to Jim's story? Whatever happened with that damn car? Did he? He's starting with a story. My God, I'm going to sell a car. And you know what? He's ignoring all his feelings. This program does not tell you to just push your feelings away and everything will be fine if you stay abstinent. This program is much more than that. But you've got to start at step one and two and three. So here we go. He goes with the story, and, he, and, and there's where something is niggling at him. He says, I had a, a few words with the boss. And then he goes on, and he says, I'm still going to sell the car. And then he goes, and he says, I had no intention. Of it. What is it having to do with selling the car? I had no intention of drinking. But he put that thought pushes into him. This is where he's fighting his 
his disease, his his addiction, his his an, an terrible craving. And then even at the end of the sentence, I still had no thought of drinking. I still had no thought of eating or whatever. These are warning signs to me that I have to work my program as if my my hair was on fire. I cannot, I cannot for no Absolutely, and not even about the miracles that I'm seeing today, but also about because because it's for my health. My God, I'm not getting any younger. I just became 67, and thank you, God. Thank you. I mean, you know, I need that energy. I need everything that I have, and I get that all from God. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Leah S. And Laura L., you're up, followed by Heidi B. Laura, star one. Sorry about that. Good morning, everybody. There you go. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm Laura L. from Connecticut. Um, Very, very grateful to be on the line today. And, um, And everybody's beautiful shares just, rang true for me. Thank you so much. Um, I related to what everybody said. And what was going through my mind listening um, was not so much about the food, although it was about the food and the twist of the mind. It was the twist of the mind that happened to me in the past and still does occasionally that leads to an obsession of the mind um, regarding, um, okay, I picked up. um, I'm eating. I'm overeating. I'm fat. What am I going to do now? Because I'm terrified of weight, of more weight appearing on the scale. And um, <clears throat> it was the twist of the mind that led me to first um, stick my finger down my throat and throw up and do that for quite a long time. And then when that wasn't working that well, um, started you know, eating, putting the food in my mouth, eating as much as I could without swallowing and then spitting that out. And when that stopped sort of working, I would do that plus throwing up. And before both of those, um, the twist of the mind led me to run five miles a day, no matter what, whether I was in pain, physical pain or sick or or whatever. So, I mean, you know, the the twist of the mind led to the obsession of the mind um, and the allergy of the body, you know, which how it reacted around the food that I was putting in me also reacted around the, um, I'm not sure if I'm making sense, but it also led me to um, to do anything I could um, to, to not gain weight. And the twist of the mind also follows me um, every day, and every day I have to work this program as hard as I can and get as close to God as I can so I, um, so I don't admonish myself in the mirror, so I'm not um, picking up my my shirt um, to look at how big my stomach is or even holding in my stomach when I step into the shower. I know that sounds crazy, but this is, this is where we are. We're addicts. We're, um, we have addictive um, personalities, addictive minds, and alcoholic minds. Um, so it's, for me, it's not only putting the food down and picking God up. It's, um, not having a scale anymore and um so I don't punish myself daily or every 
every hour, which is how often I used to weigh myself sometimes. Um, it's about <clears throat> accepting myself and my body as it is. And the twist <laughs> to use um, to tell you what's going on now, I've been on a, a weight gain program or a weight game plan for about six months because um, I got, I got a, thank you, I got a little bit too um, compulsive about um, putting down the food. So now I have to build up my weight. I will stop there. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Laura L. And Heidi B., you're up, followed by Lynn S. Good morning, Heidi B. in New York. Um, thank you so much for letting me share. Um, I just really felt compelled to share this morning because um, I started a new job on Monday, and everyone keeps asking me how it's going, and I keep saying that it's great, and I want that to be true. And that's, it's not that it's not true, um, but I'm also in a lot of fear, and I'm in fear because I have this chronic imposter syndrome, and I'm worried that I'm not qualified for the job, and they're going to find out, and all of these things. And I've had that fear since day one on Monday, and did I do a 10-step? No. Um, did I realize it when I did my nightly review? No, because I didn't do my nightly review on Monday. Um, happened again on Tuesday, tons of fear. Did I do a 10-step? No. Did I catch it in my nightly review? No, because I didn't do a nightly review on Tuesday. And this morning, thank God, um, you know, I finally was um, honest with my own, with myself about that fear and, um, and also turned it over to someone else and, um, and did the 10 step. And, you know, I'm so grateful because I, you know, as everyone has shared, right? Like that's the, that's the mental twist. I, you know, I think that I shouldn't be feeling fear because there's, it's not warranted. And, you know, I've, I've never, um, had any reason to, um, you know, to think that I wasn't qualified for this job and whatever. And um, it doesn't matter whether it's warranted. It's fear and it's there and I cannot ignore it like it's not happening. Um, ignoring it means the buildup of human emotion and the buildup of human emotion for me means death. Um, so I'm grateful this morning for all the shares and um, with that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Heidi B. And Lynn S., please share with us. Good morning. This is Lynn S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. And I love it in the big book. There's so many instances where the story they're talking about has maybe, maybe a double entendre for us overeaters. And this is one for me. I haven't had a sandwich since May the 9th, 1989, because that was the love of my life, a sandwich. Extra thick bread stuff in between, my, my head would just pop. You know, I, it was something. So this story has always given me um, an extra reason to reflect. But I was just thinking about it this morning when I was listening, and I thought, this was so me as well. I get upset. He gets upset. So what do I do? I take off. I get in the car and I drive. I, I get away. I get away. And of course, he's not thinking about drinking. And I wouldn't be thinking about eating because what I'm thinking about is every single word 
the boss said and then what I said or what I could have said or what I should have said and going over and over and over. And then I love it. So then he sits there and he decides to eat at somebody like I would eat at them. So he has the sandwich. And then, of course, another one, because don't we just do that? Don't we just do that? Didn't I just do that? Didn't I spend my life going over again and again and again? He said, I said, they said, I should have said, and what am I doing the whole time I'm eating? Do I have any thought of binging? No, I'm just eating. I don't even know what I'm eating because I'm just eating. Why? Because I'm stuck in that hamster wheel of going around and around and around. And what am I looking for? Some ease and comfort. But sometimes I wasn't. Sometimes I was perfectly happy eating at you or replaying the scenario over and over again. I wasn't done. And I would order another and another. And then it was gone. I am so grateful to this program. There was never a better gift for me than coming in here and hearing about the allergy of the body and then the obsession of the mind. I knew there was something wrong with my head. I mean, that was a given. But to find out about the allergy of the body, we are so blessed here to have a way out. But I just, I just felt compelled to share this morning. This story has a special meaning for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn S. And we have two minutes, if anyone would like that last two minutes this morning. Karen um, W. Yeah, I'll share. I heard Karen W. Thank you, Karen. Go ahead. Hi, uh, this is Karen W. Recovered in Texas. Uh, one of my sponsors had me go through this paragraph and circle all the eyes in there and there's a ton of them um and there's no god in this paragraph at all um and he didn't take anybody with him uh you know when we first get in the program and then what is he doing going to a bar where you know he's been there in the past uh and they've told us we have to change places playmates and, and none of that happened um you know he was setting himself up for failure. And so I have to remember on a daily basis when I wake up, ask for God's help, and all through the day, ask for God's help, pray before my meals, and talk to someone else in the program because my mind is still not fixed and that you know, it probably won't ever be. So I do this for my daily reprieve. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here today, and I'll pass. Thank you, Karen W., and thank you to everyone who shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, October the 19th, 2022, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 19,536. That's 19536. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Nancy C., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure. Thanks, Lisa. Nancy C. Recovered in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
you realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationships with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past and give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road to happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.